And uh, but uh, I love tonight's uh, tonight's message. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the book of Ezekiel to start us off, and then I'm gonna let Francis Chan share some words. But it, it hit me last night. I was I was thinking about some of this, and it, um, you know, most of the language that you see in the New Testament that we use today. Um, I'm thinking about things like baptism, church, deacons, elders, even the words like evangelist. These were not new words in the first century. You know, it's crazy to think about because we think of these words like, well, those are first century words. That's church words. Um, But all of these words were already around. And so when you see words like deacons and elders and even baptism and things like that come up, they were already well aware of what these things were. They were a part of their culture, a part of their society. Um, even evangelism, even ideas like saving souls. You know, that, that term is used in the Old Testament as well. It's, it's, it's amazing you, when, you realize, when you realize that. And I want to read just a little bit of what Jesus said regarding shepherds. And their thoughts that you might think, well, that's creative, that's original. But Jesus is actually quoting the Old Testament, and that happens throughout. Um, Things that he says that you think, well, this is just a creative thing. Uh, But he's actually citing or referencing an Old Testament passage, and it breathes a lot of new life and a lot of new meaning into what he's saying. A good example of that is we've talked about it before on the cross. If If you look at the cross and you think, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's powerful. When you think of it in light of Psalm 22... That breeds a whole new depth to what's happening on the cross, all the way through to it is finished. That's the closing line of Psalm 22 as well. Um, the Hallel, reading through the Hallel when he's in his agony at Gethsemane, breathes new depth into what's happening in the garden there. Um, but specifically, I'm thinking about verses, and I didn't bring my, my clicker up here, so um, I'm just going to have you click for me today. Um, what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Um, this is one of my favorite acapella songs, uh, this idea of going after the lost sheep. And it's a beautiful passage, um, uh, right? But it's, it's referencing something. And I want to talk about that here in just a minute, what, it's, what that's referencing. Um, Ezekiel 34 is where we're at. I have it in parenthesis. Uh, he will separate the people one from another. This is Matthew 25. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. And these are passages, the first one you think about, man, I'm going to go after this person that's hurting, and that's beautiful, and that's what he's talking about. And then in, in Matthew 25, well, we're talking about Judgment Day, you know, something that happens at the end of the time. Why does he use terms like sheep and goats? Is it just random? Is it to appeal to maybe a, a shepherding society? Let me just read to you Ezekiel 34. Now, this would be reading from their Bible. This is their Bible. This is what they would have known. It says this. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you don't take care of the flock. You've not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he's with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. How about this? The shepherd that is going to search for the lost sheep. 
I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. So you're seeing sort of a dark element here. It starts with the clouds. Then he talks about destroying the, the sleek and the strong. But look at this. Now he starts talking about why. In verse 20, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you, shave, you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you've driven them, driven them away. I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. What's so interesting about this, and this is just kind of what I'm suggesting to you, is when Jesus tells a beautiful parable about the shepherd that goes after the lost sheep, he's referencing something very profound. And he's saying, I am the one that was to come in the line of David. I am the shepherd that's not simply coming to deliver the lost sheep. I'm the shepherd that's coming to judge between my sheep. And the problem at the time is he's saying this. One is the shepherds. You care only for yourselves and you're not going after my sheep. And the other problem is sheep with sheep. The rams keep butting the sheep and pushing them around and muddying their waters and doing things. And he says, I'm going to come and stop this. I, took care of, I, I love taking care of an aquarium. Melinda made me choose between a puppy and a saltwater aquarium. I went with a puppy this time. But I love taking care of a saltwater aquarium because it taught me a lot about God back in the day. And I put so much effort, so much work into this aquarium. And one day, uh, and, and you know how fish are, they develop a hierarchy. There's the angel fish, and you're only supposed to have one of those in your aquarium, and that's the boss. It's the alpha because it's the angel fish. And you have, just everybody knows the hierarchy. And then I bought a puffer fish. And uh, there's all kinds of different puffer fish, but I bought this one puffer fish and put it in my aquarium. My puffer fish wasn't part of the hierarchy of the other fish. He was like throwing a dog inside your aquarium. He ate everything that swam by him. He wasn't trying to be alpha. He was just having fun. And he messed my aquarium up. It was dirty. It was nasty. Fish were dying everywhere. And I had, I mean, this all happened within a period of hours, not, not weeks. And I had to immediately get a bag, try to get, get, get the solution right, get the temperature right, get this fish out of my aquarium into this bag and try to beg them to take it back at the aquarium store. And they did. Why? Because he was going to kill everything. He was going to slaughter everything in my aquarium. I have to say, I'm going to step in and I'm going to judge between fish and fish. I'm going to do this, right? What I want you to do is hear that because when we hear talk about shepherds in the New Testament and we talk about what it is to shepherd the flock today, uh, we're rooting that in what their understanding of the chief shepherd was and the role of the shepherd, especially in these prophets. Two, two things were at work here with Jesus. One, I am going to come and rescue the hurting, the lost, the desperate, and I'm going after them. That's not just Jesus' nature. That was what the prophet said he was going to do. And the second thing is I am going to judge between those that are hurting my flock and those that are my children, and I'm not going to let you hurt my children anymore. Those are the two aspects of what's happening there. So uh, sort of an intro, but let me, let's go uh, to Francis Chan.
guys get together every week, I sure hope, you know, like James warns, that you are guarding your tongue. We can sometimes just assume that, oh, let's gather together as Christians, and so good things are to come out of our mouths because we're Christians and we're studying the Bible. Um, But some of these Bible studies can also be some of the most rebellious uh, groups where gossip is spoken, slander of leadership, and it's done in a very clever way. Look, I've been a pastor for years, and I've seen gatherings like this cause so much division in the church. And so you just have to be careful, because we live in a time when everyone values their opinion a lot. And so rather than coming under the leadership, there's this real arrogance that is that almost sees themselves and their opinion as above all these. So it's just supposedly you have these godly leaders that have prayed through something, searched the scriptures, and come to a common agreement on something. And then you come in and you go, I think they're off. Like, wow, that's insane. The Bible says never be wise in your own sight. And here you are saying, yeah, I know they prayed through this and thought this through, and I know they're godly men, but I came up with something better. Like, what makes you so brilliant? You know, think this through, because as you say these things, and as you talk about elders' decisions and their character, you're putting yourself above them, and you're, you're lowering everyone else's view of them. Just by your words, even if that's not your intention, that's what you're doing. You're lifting up your opinion, and you're causing others to question them. And this can come in so many different forms where you go, yeah, I was just really hurt by them. It's like, whoa, did you just say that in public? You just caused everyone's view of them to go lower. You did that. Be careful with your words. This week, above all the other weeks of the study, this is the one that can do so much damage. This was such a difficult chapter for me to write because I thought, gosh, I don't want people to use this as ammunition against their leadership in a time when it's already so difficult to lead and everyone already values and devalues leadership. They value themselves and they devalue... You guys, our, the kingdom was supposed to be different than the world. I get it. Out there, we bash authority. Everyone bashes authority. You know, that's just the way the world's going to act. That's the way they're going to live. But in the church, we were supposed to show them something different. We're weird. We actually love having a king. A king. An authoritarian king. We love him. And we love his commands. Who loves commands? But you read it in Psalm 119, the psalmist is like, I open my mouth and I pant, longing for your commands. Why? Because your commands lead to life. It's like, oh, give me more commands. Give me as they So we are people who say, God, you know what? We're so grateful to be under your leadership. And then God says in, in Ephesians 4, it says in verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It says God's like, Church, look what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you this leader. I'm going to give you these apostles. I'm going to give you these prophets. I'm going to give you these evangelists. I'm going to give you these shepherds. Why? Because I love you. I'm giving them to you so that you will mature. 
See, something has to change. There's so much pride in leadership, and there's so much pride in the followers. And, and it's going back to what I said the first week, humility. Pray for incredible humility as you talk about this stuff. Humility and leadership. Some of you may be leaders that are watching this, and I don't say this lightly, but I wrote the chapter hoping that some leaders would read it and be convicted and step down for a while. I remember in my 20s, when I first got into ministry, there was a period when I had to step down from my position. Sin was in my life hypocrisy. I just waited tables for a year. It was such a freeing time, a good time, cleansing time. It's the most hypocritical time in my life, but God used it. Um, God may be calling some of you to do the same thing. And I'm just praying for the humility for that. And, and others, I'm praying for humility to step up into leadership. You see, I remember someone saying to me, this worship leader who said, I realize that under the guise of humility, I would say, oh, I don't want to lead worship um, because I don't want the spotlight. And this leader said, it's actually I realized later that I didn't want to fail. It wasn't my, it wasn't my pride that I was steering clear of. It was actually my pride that kept me from being a leader um, because I didn't want to look stupid in front of people. And Or maybe you just didn't trust that God would empower you to lead others. And like I say in this chapter, it's a, it's a sacred thing to step up into authority. And you don't want to do it lightly. But at the same time, it's a scary thing to tell God, no, I will not be a leader, even though you've called me to lead others. You just don't want to do any, any decisions in this, this way lightly. And I, there's just so many things that could go wrong with this discussion. And there are so many wonderful things that could happen in the next few moments. So I, I would just love to pray for you right now. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would keep divisive words from being spoken. I pray for tremendous humility in everyone who's listening. I pray for courage courage for some leaders to step down and even confess what their lives are about and the lies, the things that are hidden. God, I pray for tremendous courage for others to step up into leadership, trusting that you're going to give them the ability. For all of us, Lord, I pray for humility. Please protect your church. In Jesus' name, amen.
little bit of uh, what it says in First Timothy, um, and First Peter, First Timothy, and Titus, uh, some qualifications of elders. And, and what I want to ask you uh, as we kind of go over this list. Uh, in the past, when we've looked at this list, it's been because we're doing elder selection and we're thinking about something like that. But the truth is, this is a list that every one of us is supposed to internalize. This is something that is for everyone. Uh, this, is, this is a standard to live, up, try to live up to for every single one of us. Um, but I want, you to, I want to ask you this question. Uh, which of these uh, tends to be more valued today, these qualities, just in our society as a whole, and which team um, seem to be more neglected or maybe less valuable. Not greedy for money, not lording over the people, not polygamous. Their children believe they're not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not quarrelsome. Not a recent convert. I must be willing. Blameless. Hospitable. A lover of good. Self-controlled. Respectable. Hospitable. Able to teach. Upright. Holy. Disciplined holding firmly to the message, encouraging others, refuting those who oppose, having a good reputation. Uh, There's about 25, depending on how you you look at it. But I just want to ask you, just kind of going over that list, what are some that really stick out to you, just maybe as an individual, something that you think, man, I, I want to value this more in my life, not just in others, but really in myself, this is something I really want to, I don't know, um, work towards. What are some that stuck out to you? I'll just kind of go back and forth here. I, I couldn't fit 25 on one list on one page. What are your thoughts? I've never even understood what that meant, to be honest with you. Okay, right. 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 It's interesting you chose that one. Because I would say out of all of the 25, that might be the one I would choose to say that that's what Ezekiel 34's elders were being accused of, would be probably that one. So, yeah.
that together with the one Chuck just mentioned. Wow. Right. But when they do, they don't do it the right way. They're going to be accused of Lord Or if they do do it in the right way. Isn't that interesting? You have two, and how do I? How do you walk this? I was thinking about this list, and I was thinking, who would ever read this and say that's me? A good, uh, blameless, you know. I, some of these, how? You know, the standard that it's setting, it's saying, listen, why? Because you are Christ's representative on this planet, and people are going to look at you, and even a spiritual world is going to look at you as a means of crucifying Christ again. You are under attack. You are under scrutiny. You are going to be the means through which Satan wants to um, mar the body of Christ. He does look to the leaders, and that's why it's so important. That's why he talks the way he does. What else? Any others? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it's another word that intimidates me. You know, there's there's several words on here that I think, uh, wow. Um, think about the nature of these qualities. Um, they more about character or ability. Character. Isn't that weird? Because in our society, in our nature, it, it's to, it's kind of I, I look to people with ability. Well, what are your abilities? What are you going to be doing? You know, and, and this, this is all character. This is the kind of person you are. Well, what if the person's not eloquent? Why isn't eloquence in this list? <laughs> Why isn't, you know, there's a lot of characters, characteristics that I like to see in people that are leading. Are you bold? You know, are you, are you pretty organized? Are you, there's a lot of things I want to see, and it just says, you know what, we're going to talk about character. Everything is. Not that some of these abilities aren't important, but... That's pretty convicting to me that everything here is about somebody's character, uh, about more than anything else. Um, I'm going to take you to a couple of verses that really convicted me um, that I want to spend time meditating on. I mean, these two verses are crazy to me. This is what it says in Hebrews 13. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. And there's two aspects of this verse that I just, I just, ah, I just got so excited about. The first one was this. Um, they have to give an account. They have to stand and give an account for their work and what they've done. Um, it, it reminds me of the verse in James, you know, in James 3, when it says, man, not, not many of you should assume to be teachers knowing that we're going to receive a stricter judgment. Know, know that. Know that if you're going to stand up and represent and shepherd the flock of God, you're going to give an account for what you've done and for your work. And so, But the message isn't to elders. How about that? The message is to the flock here in Hebrews. And it says this, this is the position these men have put themselves in. 
This is the position these leaders have put themselves into. And so this is a question that I've got for the church today. Oh, man, there's so many people I want to ask this to. Um, just in my life and people that I even talked to on the phone today. How can we do this? How can we make the work of our leaders a joy and not a burden? How is that? And practically, how do you carry that out so that it's always a joy and, and not so much seen as a burden to shepherd the flock? How, how do you do that? As shepherds, yeah, Nicole. Right. Right. I love that. Sharing the load. In other words, <laughs> a visitor comes into church and I'm sitting here and I'm just eyeing my shepherds. Why aren't you greeting that visitor? And they're thinking, Jeff, what are you doing right now? You know, instead of criticizing, what am I doing? How am I sharing the load? How am I doing things to say, man, this is not, we aren't all spectators to watch what the leaders are going to do. We all have we all have a responsibility, and I think sharing the load is a huge, uh, a huge part of that. Yeah, anything else? Don't be in a thorn. Don't be a thorn in their side. Yeah, that's <laughs> I love it that you said that because how about this for timing? I was praying about this already, and this is this is the text message that woke me out of bed today. This is honestly the text message. I got it at 2.23 a.m. this morning. Honestly, this is just another day. But 2.23 in this morning. This is somebody who has, and I'm just going to say this, this is somebody who over the last several years has incessantly blown up my cell phone complaining. Okay? Angry with people, angry with somebody, angry with me. Why I haven't blocked this number, I have no idea. Okay? That's the honest truth. I have no clue. And if you knew what the text messages has said... You, you would say, why didn't you block the number, okay? The list goes for about, I don't know. I mean, we've been texting each other. It's, it's 10 miles long, this text thread. And then I get this at 2.23 this morning. I just read James 5.9, and I'm so sorry for my behavior. I want to read James 5.9 to you. Don't grumble against one another, brothers, or you will be judged the judge is standing at the door. Is that not what we just read? I mean, it's the same thing. That woke me up this morning, and this was already my class for tonight. And I'm thinking, this person that I did not block, and I have no idea why I didn't, and why I've continued in dialogue, I have no clue. Nothing but negativity for years. And all of a sudden, I just read five, James 5, 9, and I am so, so sorry. Um, the word of God convicted, convicted me. And I think about that uh, with what Vanna just said. Man, let the word of God convict you that you remember who you are as one of God's sheep. Um, and so that's, that's huge. Any others on Hebrews before I move on? Nicole? Right. Or 
Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely, because what if the, the shepherds in Ezekiel 34 had this verse at their disposal? You know, they could have they could <laughs> said the same thing. Hey, yes, I'm eating your food. Yes, I'm pushing you around. Don't challenge me. Um, absolutely. Absolutely, it could be abused. And, and so it's sort of like what Van had mentioned with there's, two, there's a balance that we're walking here. Um, I'm not supposed to lord it over anybody, but at the same time, boy, I have to be able to confront somebody. Um, and the same thing is true in a chapter like this. Um, man, let their work be a joy. Um, put them in this position of respect, but man, if, if, the, if there needs to be a challenge, and I think that that's what Scripture is so important. It, it's, it's so full of this. Um, do so uh, with the mentality of, is, is it Ecclesiastes 5 where it says, guard your steps when you come near the house of God, you know, come, come near to listen, uh, not to, have to offer the sacrifice of fools. I think I'm in Ezekiel 5. Just that mentality of approaching God and approaching his men, his leadership um, with great humility and incredible love when you do. Yeah. Right. That's right. But I think so many times our motives, maybe our motives are a bit suspect. But, you know, if, if, if we approach people who we feel as though there's something I've, I've got to address with them I don't think is right, am I doing it out of love to lift them up? Am I doing it as something I just want to kind of tear them down to lift myself up? Right. That's right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is another verse that is just along the same lines. It says this, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.12. I ask you, brothers, uh, to respect those who work hard among you who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Um, this means a whole lot to me uh, just because um, I have seen so many people in the church, um, especially elders that I've known and, and leaders that I've known, where there is a very secret war. There's a very private war. There are things that, that happen and, and that loads that people bury and that carry um, that are extremely private, and that's true for everybody. But I, I would say this: it's especially true for leaders in the church. It's a very, it's especially true. Um, that's happened with me. Uh, there have been times that I've had to come up here and preach on a Sunday morning, and my life got devastated the night before. Okay, 
and I've had burdens that were very private, very secret, things that I, I couldn't talk to people about. Happens a lot, actually. And I know it happens with shepherds. And sometimes that, there's that burden, and when you, when you approach somebody, and you, you, don't, you, you don't understand this is what they might be dealing with as a leader in God's church, um, it's helped me a whole lot gain respect for, and when I say elders, I'm using it in the broad term. I'm using my leaders in the church, people that influence my life, because now I've come to greater understanding of loads that they've carried, burdens that they've carried. I'm sorry, I'm stumbling over my words. Things that they have gone through and, and knowing kind of what a burden it is to work in the church. And I know there's sometimes, man, it's, that's not that way at all. Sometimes there's absolute wickedness. Sometimes there are wolves. I know that. Believe me, I get that. But he's wanting us to understand something here that is largely lost in our society because, uh, and I think this is true, um, I'm thankful for the country I live in, deeply thankful, and I don't get very political, you know that. But we are very used to a very democratic way of looking at things. And this is my opinion. You heard what Francis Chan said, we have learned, we have come to a place where we value our opinions that's everything. This is my opinion. You know, what else do I have? Um, but to place somebody in the role of a shepherd in your life, or for the church to place somebody a shepherd in the role in your life, that's sacred. And to have that and to have somebody that you're willing to yield to, and most of you have those people in your lives, and I pray it's our shepherds. But um, God has sent those people in my life, and I remember thinking about it a few years ago. I was at Pepperdine, and I love the lectures at Pepperdine. I do. I think they're great. But I was thinking, man, we always get the funny speakers. We always get the young, hilarious speakers. You never see somebody call up Bob Bland and say, would you speak at Pepperdine this year? You know, that doesn't happen. And there's so many times where I thought, I love these men. They're hilarious. They're smart. They know Greek. This is great. But finding somebody in your life that you consider wise, somebody that is just like, I put this place, this person in a place of a, a father and a mother in my life, and I'm going to respect them, and I'm going to honor them, and I'm going to honor their opinion even above my own. And coming to a place where you can do that, that's just a challenge. I'm issuing that to myself as much to you. Something to think about, because if anybody's guilty of valuing their opinion way too highly, I know it's me. Um, and so I needed to hear what he said there. Uh, any comments about that? Yeah, Maria? Right. That's right. 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 
That's right. That's right. I think, I think it's the, that's one of the most important things the church can do today is learn to disagree in a godly manner. Learn to have different opinions and not be at each other's throats when you disagree. You know, uh, the biting and devouring one another that Paul talks about. Yeah, David. Right, right. And they think that our problems and our opinions is the only thing that matters right now. I think if we started approaching people, and obviously it's maybe for leadership example, but just mm-hmm. in general, if we yeah. approach each other like we've got stuff on our minds that are burdening us, right. we might approach each other a little bit more softly, like Marie was saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it's, it's great if I know it in general. If I know specifically what it is, it's amazing with how that changes my heart. If I say, wow, I know David's struggling with things like I do, I'm not very sensitive. If I know specifically what those things are, all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I get there, you know. It's amazing how that happens, um, I think. Um, yeah, Steve. things come back to humility, like he was saying in the video. Yeah. Whether it's 
followers needing to show more humility. And um, I, I have major uh, like authority issues with anybody who's an authority over me. I'm pretty sure I've probably got it figured out more than better than they do. And I know, I know this is an issue with me. So I, I try to, it's, it's something that I need, I need, I'm trying to work on myself to be more humble because of leadership. Yeah. And I love how you talk about how the leadership is Chuck's earlier point of, to me, lording it over is a leader who is not humble, right? Who is super happy to be in the leadership position because now they can tell people what to do, right? So it's humility is so bound up in Christianity in general. I mean, that's that's what like Christ is the ultimate example of humility. Yeah, what I love about this is I had to step back and think, why did Chan include this in this series? You know, what's he? Where is he going with this? Um, is this random talk about shepherding. And I realize that this is not a message to shepherds. This, none of this is. It's, it's something certainly shepherds can glean from. But this is a message to the flock. This is whole Chan's whole point. Is he's saying, listen, you're in a society, and especially right now, and I'm not going to touch on politics. I don't want to offend you. But people are nasty towards each other this time of year. And I mean nasty, ungodly. It's not okay. It's, it's not acceptable. I'm just going to say that. No Christian should behave the way what you witness on TV, the way they talk about people. I don't care what their politics are. They're nasty. And we learn from that kind of behavior. And you can talk about your leaders that way. And then you come to church and you do it. And here's what God would want you to know. That man might be corrupt. That leader, that whatever you got, whatever your preacher, whatever your shepherds, they might be corrupt men. But they represent something. They do represent something. And so be careful, because they do represent, the shepherds represent the chief shepherd. And Ezekiel 34 paints a very much more serious picture than sometimes what we understand in the New Testament. It's a very serious picture of what the chief shepherd came to do and what the shepherds are also following suit with. Um, but one thing that for shepherds, my prayer is that absolute humility and absolute love and my prayer for the body and for myself and all this included is this. Um, we grew up in these churches where we know what it is to go through a big process. Are you qualified? Are you qualified? Are you qualified? Here you go. Um, half the time we didn't even tell them what to do. And then a week later it's like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> man, you just asked me if I was qualified. You gave me, and now, wow, I don't get paid for this. Um, it's tough, right? And so just that humility uh, that's, that is needed in the body of Christ. This was mentioned last week, and I want to reiterate this. Um, this series has actually caused me to fall more and more in love with the body here. Um, I'm not going through this series because I'm like, wow, Metalark, wake up. Listen to Chan. Uh, it's actually a godly series. It's a beautiful series, but um, I have a whole lot of respect for people in this room and for people in this body. And some of the older people in this church, for some of you, I think, I don't know if you wrote it, Vanna, or, or you just gave it to me, but I've read a couple of histories of the Church of Metal Ark, okay? Um, this church has been through stuff. <laughs> been through stuff. And there are people here that know what it is and know what leads to division and that have gained a mind of wisdom because of it, because of the past. And I praise God that I'm a part of people that hopefully had to do that for me. <laughs> um, 
And so I, I thank God for the body here, and I pray that we will grow more into the head. Um, but uh, we're a family, and I, I'm committed this year. I wish we'd be praying about it more and more, uh, that we keep growing and exemplifying what Christ designed for us to be in humility and love for one another. Let's pray. Uh, God, I just want to come before you, and um, um, it's, it's so hard for me to discern between uh, maybe my heritage or what I grew up thinking or knowing and what you intend to convey in your word. But I pray, God, that you'd robe us with the spirit of humility towards one another and grace towards one another. I pray that you'd bless our leaders and their families. I pray that you'd, you'd guard their homes. And I pray for the flock here as well. I pray, God, that um, you'd not let one of us fall short of the, uh, of the vision of the grace that you've poured into our life. Um, you have called us sons and daughters, and I praise you for that. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.